Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Nooksville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. Welcome back to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. I am here with the moth Grand Slam champion, Emily Yerison. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Emily, welcome. <laughs> that was Carrie Strug, 1996. <laughs> what a great one. Oh, God, you just nailed that intro. One foot landing. Yeah. Broken ankle. <laughs> you just put your hands up, <laughs> smiling through the tears. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Emily. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you for a ringer with the first question. Yeah, because we're playing hot seat. We are. Who are you? Who am I? Jean Valjean. <laughs> I'm swift as a coursing river. Um no. So I am I loved that. <laughs> Who am I? Let's see. I am a 32-year-old white lady. Mm. Uh, really, I can vouch for that. I've anymore. really leaned into that. I'm Did a you teacher. Try to run from that in the past, or I think that when you're you're a 19-year-old liberal college student, mm. and you just really want to be European, and you just and then you, you're 32, and you're like, I mean, <laughs> just a white girl. I'm just, I'm just, um, just lame. I'm just a lame white lady, and yeah. that's okay because my, so my job is that I'm a teacher, and mm-hmm. I teach recently arrived immigrants to the United States, and I love doing it. But there's nothing that makes you feel more like a lame white lady than a bunch of teenagers from other countries. And what I've realized coming into tea, I didn't come into teaching until I was, I didn't start teaching until I was 29. So late to it, like a true millennial, I kept jobs for <laughs> two years, less than two years and moved on. Thank you um, for, for, for taking one for the team to be a true millennial. I yeah. I mean, that. I think like it's sometimes you have to stand in your truth and like I yeah, did. Thank you. So you're welcome. Yeah. And what I think when you're younger, when you first, if you start like at 22, right, when you graduate, you kind of want the kids to like you. And, mm-hmm. and at 29, I already didn't care. So yeah. it's a nice, like, their secondhand embarrassment is my lifeblood. So, like, yes. if I'm, like, if they're, like, cringing, I'm, like, Whoa, like yes. yeah, I get more powerful. That's, like, parents, I think. Exactly. It's, yeah. Exactly. And, like, but <laughs> I get more powerful. I I'm, love that line. I'm less responsible for them. Yes. And so powerful. They're just, like, oh, miss, oh, God. And I'm, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Jafar, just like I'm so powerful because I you have your cell phone out and I'm like Hector, put your phone away. I can see you on your phone. You should put it away. And I don't stop singing until they put their phone away. And that is a very effective strategy and is not on any teaching blog or in any professional you development. You heard it here. Sing at them. Teenagers hate that. I knew you and I like were destined to be yeah. friends. Yeah. Because that is my strategy with parenting. Yeah. Is they I hate sing it. everything. Yeah. And the kids are like, oh no. Oh, oh. It's like it's like kryptonite. Yeah. <laughs> She's defeating me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and like as they melt away, I get stronger and stronger. And and um so yeah, I guess I am a I'm a writer. Um but I don't write a lot now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't write as much as I should. 
I I read a meme a while ago. I guess it was a tweet, and the lady, or the woman who wrote it, said, "I was at a party, and someone asked what I did, and I said I was, I guess I'm a writer, but I haven't really done anything." And the guy, uh, the lady that she told was like, "Girl." There's some white man out there saying that he's a writer who's done less than you. So tell yourself, like, t- tell people you're a writer. And yes, I was like, girl. yeah, okay. Yeah, I can you're do a writer. That. Um, Teacher, writer. Yeah. Storyteller. <sighs> storyteller. Champion. Storyteller. Champion. Champion. Cutie pie. Cutie pie. Yeah. yeah. Storytellers kind of always have been, but a recent in the last year, like, professional (laughs) i guess i have gotten paid paid. to to do it yeah so yeah i guess you can say that's professional yeah um we both have and so yeah so we're both (laughs) and we still carry our card around with our yeah that's true that i still have (laughs) emergency money from that show i literally just found it when i was cleaning the other day and it makes me feel really good so yeah Yeah. i keep it in my purse nobody robbed me (laughs) she's walking (laughs) so i've only got 20 (laughs) dollars Shh, don't it means a lot know. i know it's, it's like priceless yeah and i guess what else i'm a dog owner notice i didn't say dog mom yeah i noticed that um we have a very distinct power dichotomy uh my dog and me uh oh yeah i am a huggle lover you're a huggle lover i'm a huggle lover yeah this is um, we could all be huggle lovers yeah i mean i bought this as mine is like currently i did wash it but it is covered in dog hair yes um i currently have had it for a year i bought it as a joke um why don't you describe to everyone i'm sorry Christmas i didn't interrupt card. yes thank you sorry i didn't interrupt you uh and it's a huge part of my life a huggle <laughs> is um a combination blanket sweatshirt mm-hmm. it is reversible though i've never reversed it um the pocket it's only there's only a pocket on one side what yeah there's no pocket on the other side oh i see way out if you yeah so why is it reversible if there's no pocket on the other side yeah it's not reversible then and so yeah i've spent a lot of time in it uh i realized that almost all of the instagram videos i've posted over the last year have been me wearing it that's awesome So, like, oh, there's a lot of, a lot of huggle in there. So Emily was here before we did a, an, an episode that got wiped out in the, the great hard drive crash of 2019. Mm-hmm. And so the blessing of many that actually came from that mm-hmm. was that it allowed us to redo it today mm-hmm. and for me to buy a huggle. And so we could double huggle. Yeah. Podcast. And you guys bought me pancakes. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So that was baller. Yeah. Well, you know, you're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, so. And now we're extra comfortable. Super comfortable. Yeah. We might so, sweat, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. I'm... I'm okay for now. Yeah. <laughs> I could go a little longer. Yeah. So just to recap, mm-hmm. you just won two nights ago the mm-hmm. Moth Grand Slam Championship in Washington, D.C. I did. So congratulations Thank on you that. so much. Thank you. And, and you came to see me. We did. It was very exciting. Yeah. Date night. Date night. Jeremy and I drove into the big old city. Yeah. Parents night out. Yes. Yeah. You drove all the way into the big city and you came and saw me perform and, and i was, was so nice. glad you won because had you not it just would have been such a waste of time oh and my so, god yeah and money <laughs> oh my gosh yes can you imagine so we were like kind of angry until you performed because we were like what did we pay for no i'm just yeah kidding. every you know, story was amazing it we was really loved it. it was so cool because 
I mean, obviously I wanted to win because um, who doesn't like to win, <laughs> yes. right? But it was really great because everybody that – I met everyone for the first time when I got there. Like mm-hmm. I hadn't met any of the other storytellers. And it's all people who've won story slams. And so it's – you already know that they're going to be good mm-hmm. because they've already beaten nine other people to mm-hmm. be there. And everyone was just so nice and, like, supportive. I love uh, – we talked about this on the um, the Great Mystery podcast that will never be that seen. Never, never be see aired. the light of day. Um, yeah, the storytelling community. Exactly. Like, so I tried stand-up, and it's just – it's really unwelcoming. And, like, it makes sense on one level because people try stand-up, and they're terrible. Mm-hmm. And, like, they say really offensive stuff. And so it's hard to break in, but, like – it's also not – it didn't seem like a community that really recognizes talent or, like, supports mm. each other, like, because mm-hmm. it's so cutthroat. Yeah. Um, like, also, you have to step on other people to Yeah. Get. And also, you're in Washington, D.C. Like, you're not even in New York, L.A., or Chicago. Like, Take what are down. you doing? Take it down a notch. Yeah. Calm down. And so I found it to be really, like, a negative yeah. space. And and the audience also is, like, daring you to make them laugh. So yes. it's, it's much hot, more high pressure. Like, dig their heels in, like – Try yeah. it. Try it. And I, I've done it twice, and I did not bomb either time. Oh, I did well. So yeah. I feel good about that. Oh but when I discovered the storytelling community, I realized everyone is just really supportive of each other and want you. everybody wants you to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, like, everybody wants to hear a good story. Yes. You know? And whether or not you win something, if you told a good story, yeah, you know, and it might, it, it might be another night that you – Tell it and you do win or and, and so few of them are, are actually competitions. Exactly. And yeah. also I was because of discovering the storytelling world myself mm-hmm. and that's how we met. Yes. I enjoy telling stories at just a regular dinner party. Yeah. A you know, girls' night out, a couples' night out, a people's night out. Mm-hmm. Like the joy of just bringing joy to other people in yeah. some way or connection in some way to people. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know that that world was out there. And then you throw competition on it. And that's kind of a double edged sword because it, it's, it's thrilling. But like yeah. you said, I love that it's just such a everyone wants everyone else to win. Everyone wants, mm-hmm. you know, because especially when you bring people to it, you want them yeah. to have a good time. So it's like, oh, I hope everyone's good because I want, you know, people who are coming to see me to enjoy yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think that was about the other night, the Grand Slam, you know, everybody was so nice. And we were all like, great job. Like, you're, you know, yeah. you did really well. Or like, you know, you're going to do well, hyping each other up, like helping each other. And then, um, of course, it was nice to win. But like, even, even if I didn't, it was still like, I would have been okay with losing to any of them, yeah. you know, like, it doesn't really feel like a loss. I mean, getting into the Grand Slam at all is such an honor. Yeah. It really does. Being in it opens a lot of doors for people. So that's awesome. winning is even better. Hell yeah. <laughs> but but just being in it, like we were saying yeah. backstage, like just being in it, like actually gives you a lot of clout. And like, yeah. if you want to keep doing storytelling, like it's a huge thing to have on your resume, whether or not yeah. you win. So yeah. that was super cool. And I think the other thing I really liked about the show that we did together was that everybody was awesome. And like, I invited yes. a lot of people to that show. And everyone said that the whole thing was great, you know. Yeah. And that was really nice. I like that. I mean, I loved that show. I laughed yeah. so hard my face hurt. Yeah. I thought it was so funny. And you were great. And Majidi was great. Mm-hmm. And Ratija was great. So that's, I just, I love that. And mm-hmm. I also like thought that performing in front of 1200 people would be more <sighs> nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, 
And before I got on, I was like really nervous, like, because <laughs> of course, when you're down there, you can see everyone. But when you're on stage, you can't see anybody. Yeah. Um, and once you heard that first roaring laugh, you were like, I got I like, this. Yeah. And it just gives you more confidence. I mean, I guess that's for me. I know that's not everyone, but I felt more confident the first as soon as I made the audience laugh, I felt like energized and yeah. I felt like. I was able to tell my story like naturally, even though I was in front of 1200 people. Yes. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is like the first laugh. It's the first connection with the audience. Mm-hmm. It's the whole, they like me. They really like me. Literally. And yeah. I am a bit like Tinkerbell. If I don't yeah. get constant praise, I die. So <laughs> <laughs> I never it's thought like, about comp- <laughs> you <need to> laugh <laughs> harder. <laughs> I never thought about it, but I think I could probably use the same analogy. Yeah. It's it's like really important that I get constant praise and reassurance. <laughs> or I'll yeah. I will I will die. So you do need to need to clap for me. Clip. Yeah. Uh, You're oh, amazing. Oh. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that's thank you so much. You know what I just realized is that like I'm often told that I'm a very supportive oh, slow clap, standing <laughs> ovation from Jeremy. Um, I'm told I'm, I'm doing some honest stuff here because podcasts are a place for honesty. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing that I get told a lot that like I'm a, you know, very encouraging, supportive friend. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because I'm like, um, I need support and encouragement. It's, yeah. So like w- so, what we've written in our social contract is yes. that you give it back, back to me. To me. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm doling it out, but yeah, I like, need mm, it. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've ever uh, studied <laughs> communication rhetoric, but this is back. I need to give it back. <laughs> this is our social contract. Yeah, this is our social contract. We've signed it with blood, and you need to give me back praise. Hint, hint, I, hint, hint. I'm very needy. I texted my sister, like called me, and I was like, I've never received so many compliments in my life. It was just the was the best. <laughs> and were you loving it? You were like, this is everyone. I mean, yeah, people were like, you're so good. And I'm like, ah. I know. <laughs> I was like joking my head like couldn't fit in my car so big. So um yeah. Conan O'Brien I think I was listening to one of his podcasts and he talked about all comedians and people who perform on stage are basically screwed up in some way. Their parents screwed them up in some way and mm-hmm. they need constant praise and attention uh, affection and whatnot. Yeah. Now I'm going to give a theory to you okay. and you can make or break it. So I am 37, mm-hmm. you are 32, Yes, but we're both in our 30s, Yes, and we're just now discovering the storytelling world. Yes. And of course, we love the high in attention, mm-hmm. but from a young, we didn't seek it from a super young age. Did you? Absolutely, I did. You did? Oh, yeah. Any type of, but did you pursue it, though? Pursued the um, stage? I did for a while, yeah. Because um, I grew up wanting to be an actress. So did I. But I didn't follow through with it. I so I went to I actually did kind of I like went to um, this conference in Dallas when I was in high school and like tried out for a bunch of agents and stuff. I did not get yeah I didn't get any screw them screw them. That's okay, but yeah. So I did kind of try, but obviously it didn't. And I didn't do high school theater or anything. I did theater stuff when I was a kid, but I did nothing like professional. I did. Um, I was the student director my senior year. Mm -hmm. I I did drama classes Mm -hmm. and I liked it in my head, but I did not want to put myself out there and get rejected. So I protected myself. Mm -hmm. And then I finally was involved enough that I was like, Oh, I want a student direct because I like being in control and judging and things like that. Yeah. 
but then I didn't pursue it because it, I recently, it, I recently, it recently dawned on me that like I lived outside of New York City. Like, why didn't I ever think to go in yeah. to do stuff? Um, yeah. so I had a joke when they were talking about that. I was like, dang it. My parents, they didn't screw me up enough, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, my, I just really, it was like, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Like, Looking uh, for it. So who's screwing you up now? Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, no, Jerry. but what I'm saying is we didn't need it that bad that we blew up our whole life to pursue it. We, yeah. we kind of like did stuff and now here we are. My like small pond attention was definitely enough. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I like. Uh, oh, maybe that's the way you judge how much of an influence things have in your life. Like we're good in a small, like yeah. when our sh- thing aired and I'm sorry you didn't make TV because you were too hot for TV. Too hot. Um, you shouldn't have said all the sex stuff in I the know. beginning. And it's so funny because it's like not about, not about sex, that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my 10 seconds on the news, I honestly, my brain turned off and it was like, you made it. Like I stopped thinking about my story for the event. It was like, it was as if I had already done the event because I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I was on the news, you guys. I was like already on the news. So, so <laughs> two days before and Jeremy's like, you really need to practice. I'm like, <laughs> but my brain won't let me. Um, it shut off. Yeah, I mean, if it's any consolation, I didn't practice at all for my yeah. Grand Slam show. Um, Don't let your competitors hear that. Everybody has a different creative process. Yeah. And mine is to avoid. Same girl. <laughs> same. My, I was texting my childhood friend who I've known since I was three. So, like, we've known each other for super long. And uh, as she said, we are opposite sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, how, how are you ready to do it? And I was like, um... I haven't like practiced or anything and like, I don't, I don't know. You know, I guess we'll figure it out. And she was like, I'd be more worried if you said you had memorized it. You know, so, so I can't remember if we talked about this, but for, you know, I tell stories it's like my mm-hmm. background is telling <laughs> stories to mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. Um, then I did the bookstore, which mm-hmm. was amazing. Shout mm-hmm. out to Old Town Open Book in Warrington. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it came to the mistakes were made because it was in the big old, city of washington Mm -hmm. dc i felt like i needed to take it more seriously yeah and so after talking to ratija i wrote out the story Mm -hmm. so did i yeah yeah and then she was like oh send me you know like send me a recording of your story and so i read it and then i tried to tell it and i kept trying to tell it the way i wrote it because when i wrote it Mm -hmm. when i write i like see my words and i fix the way and make it sound better and so after like a week couple weeks of this ratija had a great sit down with me and she said, like, you kind of lost yourself by doing that. And, yeah. Um, and that's when I realized, oh, by trying to take it more seriously and, like, write it out and all that stuff, I kind of – Exactly. Yeah, she wanted a recording. And I was like, oh, no, like, I hate that because I just – if I'm not in front of an audience, I can't do it. Same. And, I, I mean, even last night, people were like, oh, like, tell your story. And I, like, tried. And I was <sighs> like, guys, I just really don't want to. Like, it's I, not the it's same. It's so awkward. Like, I, I can't do it. Um. You need adoring fans. Or, like, <laughs> well, it's it's like a performance, no, right? I'm, well, yeah, it's like it's I'm, a bit like going like asking someone to do a monologue from a play. Yeah. At Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's like imagine like you're 17 and you're like in uh you know, bye bye birdie, and someone's like, all right, let's sing your <laughs> sing your song. <laughs> sing your song. Um so 
I was like, Ugh, like I, I've been yes. asked to do that before, so I'm just basically going to say like, no, you just come watch to the my, video. Yeah, come to my show. Yeah, you. I'm happy to like. I'm gonna order the footage and like. I'm happy to put the video out, but it, it is a performance. It's not. Yeah. Just telling a story because there are things that I did on stage that make that enhance it. Obviously, right? Yeah. <laughs> my hand movements, so gesticulations. Good. facial expressions but the same yeah i had the same problem that you really do lose yourself a little bit um if in even in writing i can't like it just never comes across you know and and i had the first time like when i called the the coach for uh the moth um was that free coaching i get i guess it was part of it yeah i had that call with her and like she hated my original idea And I found out that that's like, actually, she didn't really like a lot of the other people's ideas. So I was like, okay, it didn't just happen to me. And some of her feedback definitely was true. But um, some of it, I was like, I just don't agree with that. Yeah. And um, so, but to her credit, she got me to think of a new story. And that's the one that won. So Mm -hmm. thank you, Michelle. Yeah. Um, But it's so hard. Those calls are so awkward because you like... When they're like, okay, I'm just gonna, you go ahead and tell your story. And I'm gonna record you. And I'm like, nah, I don't know. We're no, we're not gonna do that. I just wanna talk through it. Yeah. And I had that first experience with that when I did Story Collider back in February. And the producers of that, Miriam and Shane, are awesome and they're super professional and really were like my introduction to this whole mm-hmm. process. Uh, a woman named Skylar, my friend Skylar. Skylar Bayer. She lives in Maine now, but she was in DC for the last year doing a fellowship. And I went against her at the moth. That's like, I beat her at the moth. And, and are you still friends? Uh, and we are. And Thank she, because goodness. she came up to me and she was like, do I produce this storytelling show slash podcast? Oh, wait, like, you just met her there? Yeah. She oh. came up to me after they did the like thing at the end. And she was like, do you have any stories about science? Cause I'd like love you to do this. Like, I'm, I'll give you tickets to the show that's next week. And I'm performing in it and I'll introduce the producers for DC. And like, I am incredibly grateful for her because she opened this world to me. Like Skylar, thank you. You are amazing. And she's an amazing storyteller. And she went up and she told this really awesome story at the story collider. It's a, it's a science Uh um, themed podcast and she's a scientist. And uh, she was on the, the Colbert rapport in 2013, because she was doing a project partnered with a community member mm-hmm. uh, in Maine. And the guy, they were meeting at a gas station for him to, he was a scuba diver. And like, he had like a bucket of, of scallop <laughs> gonads, because she studied like, scallop <laughs> sexual reproduction. And he put them in the wrong car. <laughs> <laughs> and the car drove away. And like, the Colbert Report did a story on it, and the clip is so funny. Oh, and she ended up telling this story about the guy that she partnered with, and she stayed friends with him. And um, you know, they were from two different worlds. And he, they ended up becoming very close, but he unfortunately died of cancer. And oh. but it was like amazing. She just did this great, like it was funny, and then you know, it's touching, and it's obviously very sad. But like yeah. she brought it around and ended it like so well. And I was just like. This is so cool. Like, I want to do that. Like, I yeah. want to be, I want to be like Skylar. I want to um, be like Skylar. I want to be like Emily. And, yeah, and she, like, introduced me to all of it. And she introduced me to the producers that night. Like, I pitched to them and I didn't, I, like, you know, they let me just email them. Like, I, they're like, oh, Skylar vouched for you. Like, and so Miriam and Shane, when I pitched to them, I pitched, you know, kind of a dark 
kind of it was a dark story mm-hmm. and um they i didn't say it i didn't like tell them the story i just kind mm-hmm. of talked it through with them for like an hour and they really just helped me shape it into something really good and then ended up getting featured on the story collider podcast in may which was very cool so i i learned more about the production process and like mm-hmm. you know what Ratija did mm-hmm. with us is that's normal yeah for like a well-run show yeah, yeah. that's awesome yeah so you've gotten into the storytelling world yes you're obviously hilarious. I got stop. Stop. But you are. I like, stop. stop. You're yeah. you're hilarious. <laughs> you're hilarious. You need to clap harder. Yes. Um, so since as of right now, who knows what flushing it out will turn into. Yeah. But if flushing it out is about gleaning wisdom mm-hmm. and life lessons from other people's yeah. life experiences, let's have you drop some knowledge on us today. Okay. So. Hot seat me. Hot seat you. What is one thing you have learned since getting into the storytelling world? Hmm. One thing I've learned since getting into the storytelling world, other than the fact that it exists. (laughs) Same. Uh, (laughs) Same. I guess I've learned to have more confidence, I think, in my self and my ability to perform and like I mean that's great because I've always like I've liked being in front of people and mm-hmm. obviously like I'm a teacher and my te- my mom's a college professor and she always says every class is like a production <laughs> so <laughs> the, all the world's a stage Emily um <laughs> does she really say that that's amazing. she does <laughs> she doesn't really say all this world's a stage but she does say that like yeah I mean teaching is about like you're performing um and she's a huge football fan listens to mike and mike every morning like loves football and she doesn't have a favorite team because she just likes the theater of theater of it all the theater of it all i just like the theater of it all i'm like mom what she's crazy anyway love you mom so because i think our people around you like i said when (laughs) like people that love me know that i need yeah. Pop, pop, pop. Yeah. So, yeah. Then you start to question, am I really funny or are they just see exactly. that I have that need and they're filling it because they're Because you meet people and you're like, they're like, oh, yeah, somebody always, people always told me I should do stand up and you're like, oh, who, who told you? <laughs> it's like American Idol when they go on singing. Yeah. And you're like, wow. Who did you this to service? How? And it was, it, it's been nice to kind of get confidence in myself because I think that's something I really lacked. Yeah. And just that, like, you know, I do have, like, an ability. Why do you think it is we need the validation of strangers to make us feel better when our own family and friends tell us? And we're like, you don't know what you're talking about. But this stranger, (laughs) this stranger now thinks I'm funny. And suddenly, because I can say this because this is how I, too, feel. Like, making people who don't know me laugh. I'm like, maybe I really am onto something. You know what it is? I think it's a bit like having a therapist, right? Like you want the unbiased opinion of someone and it means more because it's unbiased. But like I can logically know that like my mommy and daddy are very proud of me. (laughs) But like, of course, they're going to say that I did a good job. And my parents are not the kind of like hypercritical Mm -hmm. parents for in, you know, performances or or sports or anything. But they're much more of the like, oh, oh, my God, you just oh, my gosh. What a great job. You did that. What a, you are just, you are amazing. You are amazing. And like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's very nice. Like, I wouldn't want it to be another way. Please (laughs) don't stop praising me. Yeah, thank you, mommy and daddy, so much. (laughs) Um, 
but I don't actually call them mommy and daddy, just FYI. <laughs> okay, if you did, I wouldn't judge. Um, so your confidence has really... Yeah, it has. I I mean, I was, when I got into storytelling, I was in like a very low place. Mm-hmm. And my self-worth was like non-existent. So, you know what? I'm going to say it. Yeah. The validation of strangers definitely yeah. like helped that. I, I have no shame in my game. Yeah. You know, like that... Being, you know, supported by people who have no vested interest in you is like, is great. It's it's like, okay, I'm like affecting people. Like I'm, yes. I have people come up, coming up to you and, and I think even much more than people saying you were funny is when people say that their story, like, it that your story like affected them, them in some way or it helped them or like, yes. and that's really cool. I mean, it's, it's cool to have, we're so all just little specks of dust right and like it's cool to to be able to have an effect on another human being when we're all just like that i so i love that's why i'm glad that's why i like flushing it out because peeling back the layers is that Mm -hmm. you hit the nail on the head for me personally too is that you know impacting us the validation of strangers what i feel like is that i love of course telling funny stories making people laugh Mm -hmm. but i feel like for me at the heart is i want to share truth and i don't mean like truth but just (laughs) like uh, you know i want to share the human experience i want to talk about the real stuff and and i know you do too Mm. and so i think for me it was that validation of you don't need to be in relationship with me for years and know my heart and know all the stuff and then finally you'll walk away from my just whatever friendship Mm -hmm. with something like wow i could tell a story to a room of strangers and it could impact them yeah and and that's really cool i think so particularly um, and we had talked about this last time. The story that I told for the story collider was yeah. about when I attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. And I'm past that, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> Scar, not a wound. Scar, not a wound. But I talked about what happened afterwards. I didn't really, I didn't yeah. talk about like what led up to it or like how it happened or like mm-hmm. just what happened afterwards and mm-hmm. like the feelings that I had afterwards and how much of a struggle it is to like survive something that you didn't think you would survive yeah. and like, trying to find meaning in like every day Mm -hmm. because you're like this is not what i thought i you know i said in the story like none of my problems were solved like this was supposed to be (laughs) the the problem solver and i obviously it was like a very vulnerable story and they put it they asked me if they could put it on the podcast and i said yes and then i shared it like personally on my social media and as like terrifying as that was because it's so raw like you just i mean like it wasn't a raw thing for me but just like emotionally raw i guess like you're just like so exposed and for sure like a lot of people didn't know that about me Mm -hmm. and it was like pretty nerve-wracking and then a childhood friend messaged me and she gave me this very long message and she said she had typed it out in word first and her mom had um taken her own life three years prior mm. and like she just said all this really nice stuff and like how listening to my story felt like a conversation with her mom she didn't know she needed to have and that it helped her like kind of make sense of things and that was like okay that was worth it yeah. to be to know that like putting my like garbage out there yeah. like has helped this girl that like i haven't seen since since high school but like we you know i cared for her very deeply and like her family mm-hmm. and that's sad yeah. that her mom doesn't get to see her kids you know and i tried to you know 
put it in the I, I when I responded back, I was like, you know, it's it's really hard to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. And I think mm-hmm. that's why we keep people don't understand because we keep trying to make sense of suicide and suicide is against the human like condition. It's against the human human nature. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that makes sense. Yeah. And trying to stop it is like trying to stop a tornado. You can't, mm. you know, if it's coming, it's coming. And like, mm. you can do things to prevent it or try and prevent it, try and prevent the damage. But like, mm-hmm. sometimes it just happens. And it was, I think like, even just getting that message, the whole experience was worth it. Cause wow. I, I know that she felt like it helped. So that was, that was good for me. And people came up to me after this, sh- like after I, the show, after I got off the stage and, and were, um, really like kind and said they struggled with the same thing and Mm -hmm. that like thanked me. And so it was, it was, it was very uh, hard to talk about something that's so taboo. Yeah. I guess. And that's what I was going to ask is like, where are you now with it? Cause I heard the story Jeremy and I did and um, we can post it cause it's a very powerful story. And I thank you. I thank you for sharing that. And so Mm -hmm. where do you feel like you are now with talking about it? Like, because you've put it out there Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of, um, whether it's on purpose or accident or there's better words to use, but like you, you have started the conversation. Mm-hmm. So where are you at now with mentally having that conversation? Is that something you want to continue to lean into and talk about? Um, that's a really good question. I think I, I'm fine with talking about it. I think that it's other people that aren't fine with talking about it, you know? Mm. And what I said in my story is that it felt like after I got out of the hospital walking around with two broken arms and nobody mm-hmm. mentioning it. Just mm-hmm. like, are we just not going <laughs> to... knock over everything <laughs> like, on your table. Are we just not going to talk yeah. about it? And then, so that in turn made me feel like... Because they felt like they couldn't talk about it. Yeah. Or they shouldn't talk about it. And I would assume, and I don't know if you said this in your story or I'm putting words into your mouth, but I think it was that... Before your attempt, you felt like you didn't want to burden people with your problems. Mm-hmm. Then after the attempt, because no one talked about it, it was like, well, now I'm burdening, burdening them even more. Yeah, exactly. And that was power. I mean, for me to hear that, I appreciated you sharing that. And so. I, I didn't realize that people had everyone thought that you're supposed to give people space, mm-hmm. quote unquote. And that is not always true. And like. Mm-hmm. When everyone gives you space, it leaves you alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and like, what happened? Yeah, you know what, what happened the thinking. last time I was all all alone? Yeah. Like, or I felt this alone, you know? And mm-hmm. yeah, it confirmed my thought errors, yes. right? Like, yeah, thought errors. That's a great term. And um, that's from cognitive behavioral therapy. <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Had like a bit of that. Um, <laughs> Please share it. Because and yeah, so learn. thought error, it confirmed my thought errors. And yeah. it like, it still feels like something people can't talk about. I mean, I, I've noticed, I mean, even after listening to my story and like, yeah. it being a year and a half since I did that, like, I still don't feel super comfortable talking to some people about it. Like, it really depends on their reaction. Mm. I don't think it's something that I bring up a lot because I'm, I feel like people are uncomfortable. Yeah. And then they say my least favorite phrase, which is, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, well, I wish I hadn't said anything. (laughs) Cause like now you don't know how to react and now Mm. I'm uncomfortable and now we're both uncomfortable and, Mm. You know, so it's, I mean, yeah, if, if people are open with me, I'm happy to be open about it. It's just the, like, I now find it hard to bring it up because people, uh, get so weird 
about it because you're yeah. so you're we're all taught right that it's supposed to be the secret thing yeah and shouldn't we just like isn't life more isn't better when we just have fun all the time and mm-hmm. you know choose happiness yeah just just be happy and not talk about the real stuff yeah and that's hard i mean hello that's the point of my whole podcast but even i'm guilty of i'd rather just you know i say that i'd rather sit and have fun but that's not the truth of it i can yeah. only do that for so long and then mm-hmm. i'm like all right we got to talk about the real stuff like, yeah there's a, and that's why backing up a little you know because our new year story is with the storytelling thing yes i think i think actually i'm kind of all over the place but that goes back to stand-up comedy Mm -hmm. when i considered that too and this is before i knew about the storytelling world i thought well yes i love telling funny stories um and i always bring this up and i apologize to people if you've listened to more than one show you've heard me talk about it but like pooping my pants story like i don't love putting that out there or being Mm -hmm. known for it like I said the other day, like, yeah, I've like branding myself around shit. Like, that's <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Um, but it's that it's because that was just the tip of the iceberg of those feelings of shame and things you're not supposed to talk about. Like, yeah. when I, I feel like it's I apologize for such a trivial example compared to yours. Oh, no. But um, but that's how I feel like I've, I've seen people faces when I'm like, yeah, I started a podcast. Yeah, like I shit my pants. And I just figured like. Oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one that this happened to. Yeah. And no. And so it's like your story is like real. This is real life. This is something yeah. that people experience. And if we don't talk about it, then we just keep going around the same. Whoops. Yeah. I'm I mean, I'm not gonna pretend like things suddenly changed and people were like all around me, like lifting me up. Like yeah. that's not really what happened. Yeah. Uh, but I think that when you have something chronic like that, you know, people are there, they're not. And some people are there at the beginning and then they kind of fade away and some people are consistently there. And what has helped you since then to kind of, uh, would you say rebuild your life or how? I think rebuild is a, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, because it was like, I don't know if you said it on your, yeah, and exactly. I don't know if you said it on the story or our last deleted recording of Mm -hmm. you thought rock bottom was before, but rock bottom was actually right after because you know what i think you said that did i yeah and oh i love it i oh think gosh. you said that oh my gosh well we can't confirm that so i will it's take that unconfirmed the lost <laughs> files i will take it uh and yeah it was it was definitely after because yeah. um i was like oh like i did that and i thought i was gonna die yeah and now nobody gives a shit. Like, I don't know. Thought error. Yeah, Thought yeah, error. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That, well, of course, yeah. that's what, and I say yeah. it in the story that, like, I put in that people gave me space, and in that space, I put, like, all these, yeah. like, negative thoughts. And and I, I said in the Lost Files, uh, exotic vacations have really helped. Yes. That's something. Um, m- they're not, like, great for my bank account, yeah. but they are good for my mental health. Yes. So really nailing it. So since then I've been to Belize and Sweden and Estonia and Honduras. Wow. <laughs> so when I was in Belize, which is like part of the story that I booked this vacation, I was like really rock bottom. I booked this vacation to Belize by myself and it was awesome. <laughs> Had a great time. And when I was there, I was trying to think like, okay, what, what do I like? Like, what can I get myself more involved in to like have hobbies and like stop making like meeting people a priority because when you're you know you're single and people are like yes you're like well why are they putting yourself out there yeah and if you meet someone then all your problems will be solved yeah and i was like okay what do i like and i have been volunteering with the summer camp and so i was like well i like volunteering and i did try to volunteer two different organizations and they neither of them worked out 
But but you tried. I tried. And within that time that I was trying, I found storytelling. And concurrently, I started teaching a class that I like. So I was teaching prior to that math, which I'm not very interested in. Mm. And I was co-teaching a history class. And I love history, but it's not my specialty. And then I was starting to teach English. And I love English. And like, that's really my my specialty. And I was having a lot of like professional success. And then I, you know, got into storytelling. And I felt like I was trying to describe it as quote, unquote, like personal success. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to my friend didn't really understand what I meant by that. And I was trying to explain that it's like, you know, having like a hobby and just being successful at it. Like he plays mm-hmm. basketball, like just with his buds, yeah. just like balls with his buds. Balls. And, they love playing with their balls. Yes, hoop it up. And um I like he's good at it. He's like, yes. I'm like, you like being good at that, right? Um and he's but, actually I went I drew my friend Drew is who I went to Honduras with and who oh, I was fun. telling this to and I was like, you know, you like to be successful in your hobbies. You like yeah. to be successful in everything you do, right? Like, nobody aims for mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just happens. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I appreciate your honesty being able to talk about this because. Yeah, no problem. You know, I don't think uh, those people are raising their hand to chat about it. Well, I appreciate but... your openness and like wanting to talk about it because. That's really what it is. It's not me wanting to talk about Mm. it. It's the other person wanting to talk about it and, like, Mm. hear it. And, like, that is really what enables people to Mm. talk about this stuff. You know, asking people if they're okay is, like, a general question that people Mm -hmm. are going to, you know, just, I'm fine. And, And I think, like, if you want to help... A really good way is to like listen for the asking to hang out and like asking to spend time with you because that's a a lot of the time that's like the help, the asking Mm -hmm. for help, right? Yeah. The um, it doesn't sound like hey, I need help. Yeah, it doesn't sound like that. And then also just like asking specific questions. Mm Hmm. You know, like I think don't ask like, are you doing okay to check a box? Like, ask a specific question that you know somebody's struggling with, and I think that's being open to talking about it is a lot on the other person and not as much on the person who's struggling as people, I think, believe. Mm, can you so. say that kind of one more time? Yeah. I, Just because I was processing as you were talking and I want to, I think it's important what you said. So that I think that the other person being open to talk about it and being ready to hear everything and asking specific questions mm. that they know that the person is struggling with, like it, um, a lot more of the responsibility of being open Mm -hmm. relies on the other person than people realize like the people often assume that it it really relies on the person who's having the mental health issue like if she wants so if i were to give like an example Mm -hmm. um if i were to say if emily wants to talk about it she'll talk about it if she wants to but i'm not going to go there yeah but instead and so this is bad yes and so what i feel like i have done and the reason I want to do a freaking podcast, which mm-hmm. by the way, my daughter's like, why do you say that? Um, <laughs> um, because it's because I get passionate. Um, mm-hmm. The reason I want to do it is because I feel like I've had so many private conversations, which of yeah. course, everything I talk about privately will not always be on the podcast. Yeah. But when I meet someone like you who's willing to, you know, I want to lean into that because so often people I feel like give us clues into how they're doing mm-hmm. and and not to put pressure on people listening. I don't want people to walk away being like, Oh my gosh, it's all this pressure on me. Yeah. But it's just that if someone gives you like a, if they, if they give you a crack 
don't bust through the door because I've been guilty of busting through that crack. <laughs> Kool-Aid Manning. Um, yes, yeah. totally Kool-Aid Manning. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, backfired on me. But it's that if, but if they are giving you a crack, like lean into that crack. Yeah. And so. Ask the specific question that like yeah. helps you peel back, as you like to say, peel back the layers, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah, it, a lot of it is knowing to do that and, and stop putting all of it on the person with yeah. the mental I mean, I hate to be like, man, don't do this, don't do that. But like, yeah, but you can share from your important. experience. Yeah, I though. think it's important that like people stop, I stop spreading the like, let them come to you and talk about it if they want. It, yeah. it, it just, I don't think I've met anyone yeah. with an, an, a mental health issue that, that operates that way. Yeah. And I, I will say, and cause I want you to either affirm it, <laughs> please affirm me. Okay. Or correct it. <laughs> The round of applause, please yeah. affirm me, um, or correct it. Okay, mm-hmm. so I feel like there's sort of two different. There's there could be two contradictory things you said. Yeah, one was don't try to get on me about what I need to do. Kind of almost like let me autonomously. Did you say is that the right word? Um, like have my autonomy about. Yeah, that. have my autonomy about it. Let me kind of do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, wait, I'm not going to talk about it. Da 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 da. And that's kind of why I said the comment. You actually already brought it up. So you bridged the gap. You said, ask specific questions. Mm-hmm. And then I brought up the whole scene, like when they give you a little crack. Yeah. And so just I want to kind of lean into that real quick as we wrap things up, because, mm-hmm. you know, I want people to hear. And like I said, we are only talking about your story. We cannot talk about anyone else's experience. No. However, we can glean some wisdom from your thoughts. I am very wise. <laughs> So, um, but just to refresh that. And so I think that a lot of people feel whether it's something as serious as a suicide attempt or just any sort of, um, what did you call it? An irrational decision? Yeah. So anyone who's made an irrational decision, any type of rational decision doesn't want to then be coddled and, you know, whatnot. But then you also don't want the opposite end of the spectrum of, oh, let's just ignore it and pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. And so... To wrap it up, like kind of focusing in on that, asking the specific questions, leaning into those cracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess when I was quote unquote like coddled afterwards, mm-hmm. that is when my autonomy was taken away. Mm-hmm. And like the people around me were like, you have all these rules now and we're doing all these things to like protect you because mm-hmm. like you're irrational now. And well, and they love you. I would, yes, yeah, yes. You know, yes. you know, because they love that you. That is, I know, I know. Yeah. It came from like fear and, yeah. and love and caring. And I, I know that. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean I liked it. No. Uh, but there's that. And like that dissipated with time. Mm-hmm. But the other end, in the other end spectrum, right, is not talking about it at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that just approaching it with like, when I said that, like, just stop telling me what I need to do. Mm. What I, what I mean by that is like, no one is approaching you for, mental health advice i am not going to if i'm talking about my mental health issues with you i don't care what you think Mm. and like it's not it's it's like just listening i think that that's like active listening right like yeah you know that's why suicide hotlines and all that they train them in active listening they don't tell them to give you advice they never do that in fact, they're, it's against their rules. You're supposed to just listen and ask questions about how they feel and like, because the whole point is to like, cle- them to get the burden off of their chest and to like, cleanse them of that. So like, that's where the community sharing, it divides grief when we share the burdens with people. Yeah. And so you don't, 
I think that a lot of people and what, what I have been annoyed with when I've like talked to yeah. people about, about it is that they'll try to like give me advice and that's where they're like, well, maybe you should like go to the gym. And I'm like, how about you? So my dick. <laughs> how about you shut the fuck up? Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you jeremy thank you slow clap and so i think that and a lot of people want to help yeah and that's where that comes from like how can i help you and how you can help is like be an active listener don't give advice nobody wants advice yeah i don't want like i'll take advice from like a professional i'm paying thank you very much (laughs) yeah like for sure um but if you're my friend then and you are genuinely like comfortable talking about it and you want to talk about it and you're asking me questions about things, um, then like just respect that I don't need your advice, you know, like, and, and I think that's a specifically hard for men to understand. (laughs) Um, because I think the, the go-to male mindset is often, uh, to fix something. Yeah. I mean, I know that's an issue in a lot of relationships. Yeah. Can't speak for everybody, but yeah. that is a common um, thing. A common issue. There was literally a whole Modern Family episode about it. Yeah. Um, but people, some people want to fix things and some people want mm-hmm. the other person to just listen. And yeah. Um, and we've, Jeremy, we actually have conversations and he'll start by saying, do you just want me to listen? Which is, I think, probably why you have such a good relationship. <laughs> That's a big re. I mean, that's a big reason because, like, what do you want? Do you want advice or do you want me to listen? And that's, I think, an important question to yeah. ask because but I had to start asking that of him, like to him, because I, on the other hand, was like, "Let me solve your problem." Yeah, and he was like, "I just want you to listen." Yeah, exactly. I was like, "Ooh," but that's important. And yeah. I guess I don't want to ramble or anything, but I guess yeah, that's that's how I feel yeah. about. I appreciate Not you sharing that. Well, I want to have a whole side conversation about active listening, but uh-huh. we are out of time for today. We are, yeah. So, I have to go see a musical. Yes. But thank you for coming back. Thank you for chatting. Thanks of course. Um, for being so open and just being an all-around great person. Oh, my God. Stop. Yes. You're amazing. Yeah. You're amazing. Yay. <laughs> you're the best. You're the best around. <laughs> the best. And that's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. Music provided by twinmusicom.org. Song titled Night at the Dance Hall. Sound editing by me, Jeremy Spittle. A special thanks to our studio sponsor, M&M Exteriors. Visit their website at mmexteriors.com for all of your roofing, siding, and gutter needs in the Northern Virginia area. Visit our website at flushingitout.com and be sure to subscribe. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.